Chapter 15 of Talks to Farmers. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lauren Randall. Talks to Farmers by Charles H. Spurgeon. Spiritual Gleaning. Let her glean even among the sheaves, and reproach her not. Ruth, Chapter 2, Verse 15. Country friends need no explanation of what is meant by gleaning. I hope the custom will never be banished from the land, but that the poor will always be allowed their little share of the harvest. I am afraid that many who see gleaning every year in the fields of their own parish are not yet wise enough to understand the heavenly art of spiritual gleaning. That is the subject which I have chosen on this occasion, and my text is taken from the charming story of Ruth, which is known to every one of you. I shall use the story as setting forth our own case in a homely but instructive way. In the first place, we shall observe that there is a great husbandman. It was Boaz in Ruth's case. It is our Heavenly Father who is the husbandman in our case. Secondly, we shall notice a humble gleaner. The gleaner was Ruth in this instance, but she may be looked upon as the representative of every believer. And in the third place, here is a gracious permission given to Ruth. Let her glean even among the sheaves, and reproach her not. And the same permission is spiritually given to us. In the first place, the God of the whole earth is a great husbandman. This is true in natural things. As a matter of fact, all farm operations are carried on by his power and prudence. Man may plow the soil and sow the seed, but as Jesus said, My Father is the husbandman. He appoints the clouds and allots the sunshine. He directs the winds and distributes the dew and the rain. He also gives the frost and the heat. And so by various processes of nature, he brings forth food for man and beast. All the farming, however, which God does is for the benefit of others and never for himself. He has no need of any of our works of husbandry. If he were hungry, he would not tell us. The cattle on a thousand hills, says he, are mine. The purest kindness and benevolence are those which dwell in the heart of God. Though all things are God's, His works in creation and in providence are not for Himself, but for His creatures. This should greatly encourage us in trusting to Him. In spiritual matters, God is a great husbandman, and there too all His works are done for His children, that they may be fed upon the finest of the wheat. Permit me to speak of the wide gospel fields which our Heavenly Father farms for the good of His children. There is a great variety of these fields, and they are all fruitful. For the fountain of Jacob shall be upon a land of corn and wine. Also his heavens shall drop down dew. Deuteronomy chapter 33 verse 28. Every field which our heavenly Father tills yields a plentiful harvest. For there are no failures or famines with him. One part of his farm is called doctrine field. What full sheaves of finest wheat are to be found there? He who is permitted to glean in it will gather bread enough and to spare. For the land brings forth by handfuls. 
Look at that godly sheaf of election, full indeed of heavy ears of corn, such as Pharaoh saw in his first dream, ears full and strong. There is the great sheaf of final perseverance, where each ear is a promise that the work which God has begun he will assuredly complete. If we have not faith enough to partake of either of these sheaves, we may glean around the choice sheaves of redemption by the blood of Christ. Many a poor soul who could not feed on electing love nor realize his perseverance in Christ can yet feed on the atonement and rejoice in the sublime doctrine of substitution. Many and rich are the sheaves which stand thick together in doctrine field. These, when threshed by meditation and ground in the mill of thought, furnish royal food for the Lord's family. I wonder why it is that some of our masters, stewards, are so prone to lock the gate of this field, as if they thought it dangerous ground. For my part, I wish my people not only to glean here, but to carry home the sheaves by the wagon load, for they cannot be too well fed when truth is the food. Are my fellow laborers afraid that Jeshurun will wax fat and kick if he has too much food? I fear there is more likelihood of his dying of starvation if the bread of sound doctrine is withheld. If we have a love to the precepts and warnings of the word, we need not be afraid of the doctrines. On the contrary, we should search them out and feed upon them with joy. The doctrines of distinguishing grace are to be set forth in due proportions to the rest of the word, and those are poor pulpits from which these grand truths are excluded. We must not keep the Lord's people out of this field. I say, swing the gate open and come in, all of you who are children of God. I am sure that in my master's field nothing grows which will harm you. Gospel doctrine is always safe doctrine. You may feast upon it till you are full, and no harm will come of it. Be afraid of no revealed truth. Be afraid of spiritual ignorance, but not of holy knowledge. Grow in grace and in the knowledge of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Everything taught in the Word of God is meant to be the subject of a Christian's study. Therefore, neglect nothing. Visit the doctrine field daily and glean in it with the utmost diligence. The great husbandman has another field called promise field. Of that I shall not need to speak, for I hope you often enter it and glean from it. Just let us take an ear or two out of one of the sheaves and show them to you that you may be induced to stay there the live-long day and carry home a rich load at night. Here is an ear. The mountains shall depart and the hills be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from thee. Neither shall the covenant of my peace be removed. Here is another. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee, and through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. Here is another. It has a short stalk, but a heavy ear. My strength is sufficient for thee. Another is long in the straw, but very rich in corn. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, 
I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there ye may be also. What a word is that? I will come again? Yes, beloved, we can say of the promised field what cannot be said of a single acre in all England, namely, that it is so rich a field that it could not be richer, and that it has so many ears of corn in it that you could not insert another. As the poet sings, What more can he say than to you he hath said, you who unto Jesus for refuge have fled? Glean in that field, O ye poor and needy ones, and never think that you are intruding. The whole field is your own, every ear of it. You may draw out from the sheaves themselves, and the more you take, the more you may. Then there is ordinance field. A great deal of good wheat grows in this field. The field of baptism has been exceedingly fruitful to some of us, for it has set forth to us our death, burial and resurrection in Christ, and thus we have been cheered and instructed. It has been good for us to declare ourselves on the Lord's side, and we have found that in keeping our Lord's commandments there is great reward. But I will not detain you long in this field, for some of our friends think it has a damp soil. I wish them more light and more grace. However, we will pass on to the field of the supper where grows the very best of our Lord's corn. What rich things have we fed upon in this choice spot? Have we not there tasted the sweetest and most sustaining of all spiritual food? In all the estate, no field is to be found to rival this center and crown of all the domain. This is the king's acre. Gospel gleaner, abide in that field. Glean in it on the first day of every week, and expect to see your Lord there, for it is written, He was known of them in the breaking of bread. The heavenly husbandman has one field upon a hill, which equals the best of the others, even if it does not excel them. You cannot really and truly go into any of the other fields unless you pass into this. For the road to the other fields lies through this hill farm. It is called fellowship and communion with Christ. This is the field for the Lord's choicest ones to glean in. Some of you have only run through it. You have not stopped long enough in it. But he who knows how to stay here, yea, to live here, shall spend his hours most profitably and pleasantly. It is only in proportion as we hold fellowship with Christ and communion with him that either ordinances or doctrines or promises can profit us. All other things are dry and barren unless we are enjoying the love of Christ, unless we bear his likeness, unless we dwell continually with him and rejoice in his love. I am sorry to say that few Christians think much of this field, it is enough for them to be sound in doctrine and tolerably correct in practice. They care far less than they should about intimate intercourse with Christ Jesus, their Lord, by the Holy Ghost. I am sure that if we gleaned in this field, we should not have half so many naughty tempers, nor a tenth as much pride, nor a hundredth part so much sloth. This is a field hedged and sheltered. 
and in it you will find better food than that which angels feed upon. Yea, you will find Jesus himself as the bread which came down from heaven. Blessed, blessed field, may we visit it every day. The Master leaves the gate wide open for every believer. Let us enter in and gather the golden ears till we can carry no more. Thus we have seen the great husbandman in his fields. Let us rejoice that we have such a great husbandman near and such fields to glean in. And now, in the second place, we have a humble gleaner. Ruth was a gleaner and may serve as an illustration of what every believer should be in the fields of God. The believer is a favored gleaner, for he may take home a whole sheaf if he likes. He may bear away all that he can possibly carry, for all things are freely given him of the Lord. I use the figure of a gleaner because I believe that few Christians ever go much beyond it, and yet they are free to do so if they are able. Some may say, Why does not the believer reap all the field and take all the corn home with him? I answer that he is welcome to do so if he can, for no good thing will the Lord withhold from them that walk uprightly. If your faith is like a great wagon, and you can carry the whole field of corn, you have full permission to take it. Alas, our faith is so little that we rather glean than reap. We are straightened in ourselves, not in our God. May you all outgrow the metaphor and come home, bringing your sheaves with you. Again, we may remark that the gleaner in her business has to endure much toil and fatigue. She rises early in the morning and she trudges off to a field. If that be closed, she hastens to another. And if that be shut up or gleaned already, she hurries farther still. And all day long, while the sun is shining upon her, she seldom sits down to refresh herself. But still, she goes on, stoop, 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 gathering the ears one by one. She returns not to her home till nightfall, for she desires, if the field is good, to do much business that day, and she will not go home until she is loaded down. Beloved, so let each one of us do when we seek spiritual food. Let us not be afraid of a little fatigue in the master's fields. If the gleaning is good, we must not soon weary in gathering the precious spoil, for the gains will richly reward our pains. I know a friend who walks five miles every Sunday to hear the gospel and has the same distance to return. Another thinks a little of ten miles' journey, and these are wise, for to hear the pure word of God no labor is extravagant. To stand in the aisle till ready to drop, listening all the while with strained attention, is a toil which meets a full reward if the gospel be heard and the Spirit of God bless it to the soul. A gleaner does not expect that the ears will come to her of themselves. She knows that gleaning is hard work. We must not expect to find the best field next to our own house. We may have to journey to the far end of the parish, but what of that? Gleaners must not be choosers, and where the Lord sends the gospel, there he calls us to be present. We remark next that every ear the gleaner gets she has to stoop for. Why is it that proud people seldom profit under the word? Why is it that certain intellectual folk cannot get any good out of our soundest ministers? Why? 
because they must needs have the corn lifted up for them. And if the wheat is held so high over their heads that they can hardly see it, they are pleased and cry, Here is something wonderful. They admire the extraordinary ability of the man who can hold up the truth so high that nobody can reach it. But truly, that is a sorry feat. The preacher's business is to place truth within the reach of all, children as well as adults. He is to let fall handfuls on purpose for poor gleaners, and these will never mind stooping to collect the ears. If we preach to the educated people only, the wise ones can understand, but the illiterate cannot. But when we preach in all simplicity to the poor, other classes can understand it if they like, and if they do not like, they had better go somewhere else. Those who cannot stoop to pick up plain truth had better give up gleaning. For my part, I would be taught by a child if I could thereby know and understand the gospel better. The gleaning in our Lord's field is so rich that it is worth the hardest labor to be able to carry home a portion of it. Hungry souls know this and are not to be hindered in seeking their heavenly food. We will go down on our knees in prayer and stoop by self-humiliation and confession of ignorance and so gather with the hand of faith the daily bread of our hungering souls. Note in the next place that what a gleaner gets, she wins ear by ear. Occasionally she picks up a handful at once, but as a rule it is straw by straw. In the case of Ruth, handfuls were let fall on purpose for her, but she was highly favored. The gleaner stoops and gets one ear, and then she stoops again for another. Now, beloved, where there are handfuls to be got at once, there is the place to go and glean. But if you cannot meet with such abundance, be glad to gather ear by ear. I have heard of certain persons who have been in the habit of hearing a favorite minister, and when they go to another place, they say, I cannot hear anybody after my own minister. I shall stay at home and read a sermon. Please remember the passage, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. Let me also entreat you not to be so foolishly partial as to deprive your soul of its food. If you cannot get a handful at one stoop, do not refuse to gather an ear at a time. If you are not content to learn here a little and there a little, you will soon be half starved, and then you will be glad to get back again to the despised minister and pick up what his field will yield you. That is a sorry ministry which yields nothing. Go and glean where the Lord has opened the gate for you. Why, the text alone is worth the journey. Do not miss it. Note next that what the gleaner picks up she keeps in her hand. She does not drop the corn as fast as she gathers it. There is a good thought at the beginning of the sermon, but the hearers are so eager to hear another that the first one slips away. Toward the end of the sermon, a large handful falls in their way, and they forget all that went before in their eagerness to retain this last and richest portion. The sermon is over, and alas, it is nearly all gone from the memory. For many are about as wise as a gleaner would be if she should pick up one ear and drop it, pick up another and drop it, and so on all day. The net result of such a day's work in a stubble is a bad backache. 
and I fear that all our hearers will get by their hearing will be a headache. Be attentive, but be retentive too. Gather the grain and tie it up in bundles for carrying away with you. And mind you, do not lose it on the road home. Many a person, when he has got a fair hold of the sermon, loses it on the way to his house by idle talk with vain companions. I have heard of a Christian man who was seen hurrying home one Sunday with all his might. A friend asked him why he was in such haste. Oh, said he, two or three Sundays ago our minister gave us a most blessed discourse, and I greatly enjoyed it. But when I got outside, there were two deacons discussing, and one pulled the sermon one way, and the other the other, till they pulled it all to pieces, and I lost all the savor of it. Those must have been very bad deacons. Let us not imitate them. And if we know of any who are of their school, let us walk home alone in dogged silence, sooner than lose all our gleanings by their controversies. After a good sermon, go home with your ears and your mouth shut. Act like the miser, who not only gets all he can, but keeps all he can. Do not lose by trifling talk that which may make you rich to all eternity. Then again the gleaner takes the wheat home and threshes it. It is a wise thing to thresh a sermon, whoever may have been the preacher, for it is certain that there is a portion of straw and chaff about it. Many thresh the preacher by finding needless fault, but that is not half as good as threshing the sermon to get out of it the pure truth. Take a sermon, beloved, when you get one which is worth having, and lay it down on the floor of meditation, and beat it out with a flail of prayer, and you will get bread corn from it. This threshing by prayer and meditation must never be neglected. If a gleaner should stow away her corn in a room and leave it there, the mice would get at it, but she would have no food from it if she did not thresh out the grain. Some get a sermon and carry it home and allow Satan and sin and the world to eat it all up, and it becomes unfruitful and worthless to them. But he who knows how to flail a sermon well, so as to clear out all the wheat from the straw, he is it that makes a good hearer and feeds his soul on what he hears. And then, in the last place, the good woman, after threshing the corn, no doubt winnowed it. Ruth did all this in the field, but you can scarcely do so. You must do some of the work at home. And observe, she did not take the chaff home. She left that behind her in the field. It is a prudent thing to winnow all the discourses you hear, so as to separate the precious from the vile. But pray, do not fall into the silly habit of taking home all the chaff and leaving the corn behind. I think I hear you say, I shall recollect that queer expression. I shall make an antidote out of that odd remark. Listen then, for I have a word for you. If you hear a man retail nothing about a minister except his oddities, just stop him and say, We have all our faults, and perhaps those who are most ready to speak of those of others are not quite perfect themselves. Cannot you tell us what the preacher said that was worth hearing? In many cases, the virtual answer will be, Oh, I don't recollect that. They have sifted the corn, thrown away the good grain, and brought home the chaff. Ought they not to be put in an asylum? 
Follow the opposite rule. Drop the straw and retain the good corn. Separate between the precious and the vile and let the worthless material go where it may. You have no use for it and the sooner you are rid of it, the better. Judge with care. Reject false teaching with decision and retain true doctrine with earnestness. So shall you practice the enriching art of heavenly gleaning. May the Lord teach us wisdom so that we may become rich to all the intents of bliss. So shall our mouth be satisfied with good things, and our youth shall be renewed like the eagles. And now, in the last place, here is a gracious permission given. Let her glean among the sheaves, and reproach her not. Ruth had no right to go among the sheaves, till Boaz gave her permission by saying, Let her do it. For her to be allowed to go among the sheaves in that part of the field where the wheat was newly cut and none of it carted was a great favor. But Boaz whispered that handfuls were to be dropped on purpose for her, and that was a greater favor still. Boaz had a secret love for the maiden, and even so, beloved, it is because of our Lord's eternal love to us that he allows us to enter his best fields and glean among the sheaves. His grace permits us to lay hold upon doctrinal blessings, promise blessings, and experience blessings. The Lord has a favor toward us, and hence these singular kindnesses. We have no right to any heavenly blessings of ourselves. Our portion is due to free and sovereign grace. I tell you the reasons that moved Boaz's heart to let Ruth go among the sheaves. The master motive was because he loved her. He would have her go there because he had conceived an affection for her, which he afterward displayed in grander ways. So the Lord lets his people come and glean among the sheaves because he loves them. Didst thou have a soul-enriching season among the sheaves the other Sabbath? Didst thou carry home thy sack, filled like those of Joseph's brothers, when they returned from Egypt? Didst thou have an abundance? Wast thou satisfied? Mark, that was thy master's goodness. It was because he loved thee. Look, I beseech thee, on all thy spiritual enjoyments as proof of his eternal love. Look on all heavenly blessings as being tokens of heavenly grace. It will make thy corn grind all the better and eat all the sweeter. If thou wilt reflect that eternal love gave it thee. Thy sweet seasons, thy high enjoyments, thy unspeakable ravishments of spirit are all proofs of divine affection. Therefore be doubly glad of them. There was another reason why Boaz allows Ruth to glean among the sheaves. It was because he was her relative. This is why our Lord gives us choice favors at times and takes us into his banqueting house in so gracious a manner. He is our next of kin, bone of our bone and flesh of our flesh. Our Redeemer, our kinsman, is the Lord Jesus, and he will never be strange to his own flesh. It is a high and charming mystery that our Lord Jesus is the husband of his church. And sure, he may well let his spouse glean among the sheaves, for all that he possesses is hers already. Her interests and his interests are one, and so he may well say, Beloved, take all thou pleasest. 
I am none the poorer because thou dost partake of my fullness, for thou art mine. Thou art my partner and my choice, and all that I have is thine. What then shall I say to you who are my Lord's beloved? How shall I speak with a tenderness and generosity equal to his desires? For he would have me speak right, lovingly in his name. Enrich yourselves out of that which is your Lord's. Go, a spiritual gleaning as often as ever you can. Never lose an opportunity of picking up a golden blessing. Glean at the mercy seat. Glean in private meditation. Glean in reading pious books. Glean in associating with godly men. Glean everywhere. And if you can get only a little handful, it will be better than none. You who are so much in business and so much pinned up by cares, if you can only spend five minutes in the Lord's field gleaning, a little, be sure to do so. If you cannot bear away a sheaf, carry an ear. And if you cannot find an ear, pick up even a grain of wheat. Take care to get a little. If you cannot get much, but gather as much as ever you can. Just one other remark, O child of God. Never be afraid to glean. Have faith in God and take the promises home to yourself. Jesus will rejoice to see you making free with his good things. His voice is, Eat abundantly, drink, yea, drink abundantly, O beloved. Therefore, if you find a rich promise, live upon it. Draw the honey out of the comb of Scripture and live on its sweetness. If you meet with a most extraordinary sheaf, carry it away rejoicing. You cannot believe too much concerning your Lord. Let not Satan cheat you into contentment with a meager portion of grace when all the granaries of heaven are open to you. Glean on with humble industry and hopeful confidence, and know that he who owns both fields and sheaves is looking upon you with eyes of love and will one day espouse you to himself in glory everlasting. Happy gleaner who finds eternal love and eternal life in the fields in which he gleans. End of chapter 15 Spiritual Gleaning